Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. Today we are talking about recurrent pericarditis with Dr. Alan Klein from the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, perhaps if we start off though, Dr. Klein, by you telling us who you are and where you work. So my name is uh, Dr. Alan Klein. I work at the uh, Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. I direct the Center for the Diagnosis and Treatment of Pericardial Diseases. And I've been at the Cleveland Clinic um, over 30 years. Um, I was past president of the American Society of Echocardiography. Perfect. And the reason I invited you to talk to us on the podcast today, Alan, was because of the Rhapsody study and a pilot of the Rhapsody study that was recently published in Heart and New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, but perhaps we can take a step back initially and have you describe uh, acute pericarditis and recurrent pericarditis. How big a problem uh, is this disease? Acute pericarditis and recurrent pericarditis um, is a very common thing we see at Cleveland Clinic, but um, the incidence is uh, not that high. The, for acute pericarditis, it's estimated to be roughly 27.7 new cases per 100,000 um, per year. Uh, and for recurrent pericarditis, there's roughly uh, 40,000 um, uh, patients getting it um, every year in the United States. Um, what is acute pericarditis? Basically, it's, um, it's severe inflammation of the lining of the heart. Uh, patients present with excruciating, sharp, pleuritic chest pain, uh, often uh, worse when they, they breathe, uh, when they lie down and better sitting up. Uh, to diagnose acute pericarditis, there are certain criteria. You need sort of two or four clinical criteria. You, have, you need the chest pain, the classic chest pain. Often the physician, here's a rub. Um, the EKG shows a classic ST elevation or PR depression, and often you see a pericardial effusion uh, for that. Um, for a current pericarditis, which is really the subject of the um, pilot of the rhapsody and the rhapsody, this is basically um, after you have one episode of acute pericarditis, uh, there's a symptom-free period of roughly four to six weeks or longer. So in other words, you have the acute episode, and then it comes back, uh, and this is called recurrent pericarditis. And in the patients that took place or took part in the study, these were patients with uh, recurrent pericarditis, and that's uh, I'm assuming you're assuming a viral etiology there. Is that right? Or unknown etiology? Um, in the study, this is basically patients either uh, mainly with idiopathic or viral uh, pericarditis. Okay. And roughly 15% have post-pericardiotomy syndrome. 15, 1-5%. One, 1-5, one, yeah. So it's mainly uh, idiopathic. Okay. And do we have any idea why pericarditis becomes recurrent in some people but not others? Well, there are some um, observations that are made. That probably the most common cause is probably under-treatment uh, of the first episode of pericarditis. Uh, but the risk factors for developing, you know, multiple recurrent type pericarditis, so-called complicated disease would be if the physician gives them steroids early on, let's say go to the ER or um, mm -hmm. in the U.S. and they um, take it away quickly. In other words, a medrol dose pack for seven days, uh, that's going to be a, um, a cause of recurrence. 
if you don't introduce colchicine early on uh, in the game, uh, this is another um, a treatment-related to increased risk. Um, uh, some patients um, have an incomplete response to the NSAID for the ibuprofen or the naproxen, uh, or the CRP is a sky high. Um, this would be other um, risk factors for recurrence. But uh, but to answer the question, it's really the under-treatment. So uh, um, somebody has a bad case of recurrent pericarditis, often with some genetic background, often like in the family, you probe uh, deeply, uh, there may be some um, family member with a history of lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, but they're undertreated. So, um, so that would be the, sort of the biggest cause. And what are the first-line therapies and, and even second-line therapies for acute and recurrent pericarditis? Okay, so the European uh, Society of Cardiology uh, has a good algorithm uh, published in 2015. Um, so... Uh, we'll start with acute pericarditis, and then we'll go to recurrent pericarditis. For acute pericarditis, as I mentioned, you sort of need two or four clinical criteria. So first line would be classically aspirin or NSAID uh, and colchicine, uh, and often exercise res- restriction. And I can get into that a little bit later if we have time. Mm-hmm. Second line would be uh, low-dose steroids, roughly uh, 0.5 milligrams per kilogram. So you wouldn't go to steroids initially, but you would go to aspirin and say plus colchicine. Um, as for acute pericarditis, for recurrent pericarditis, as I mentioned, after a symptom-free interval of four to six weeks, it's a first line and second line are the same. Third line now is um, things like IVIG, um, anakinra, azathioprine, methotrexate, and probably, as you know, as I mentioned, prioralinocept, which is the basis for the trial. Uh, and fourth line, um, at Cleveland Clinic, we do a fair number of pericardiectomies. So, so this would be for intractable uh, recurrent pericarditis. And you were saying in both of your publications that uh, once a patient develops recurrent pericarditis, it can be very disabling. And, uh, you know, it's an unpredictable condition. Is it going to come back a third or fourth time? So there really is an unmet need here, isn't there, for effective therapies? Uh, Definitely. It's often very chronic, debilitating. You know, it's considered to be what you call an auto-inflammatory disease, um, requiring months to years of treatment. Uh, There's no, um, in the U.S., FDA-approved therapies. Uh, The drugs that I mentioned so far are, you know, nonspecific. They're not, um, you know, precision-type drugs. They're not targeted drugs. And they have a lot of side effects, especially the steroids, a, a lot of um, significant uh, morbidity. So in, in those trials, um, the hypothesis was that the interleukin uh, family of cytokines may be implicated as a key mediator of the recurrent pericarditis. So let's talk a little bit about the trials and particularly Relonisept. What, what kind of medication is that and, and what's it licensed for right now? Okay, so uh, Relonisept is a um, IL-1 alpha and beta uh, cytokine trap. It traps the um, IL-1 alpha and beta, uh, and they they play a major role in the auto-inflammatory um, sec. I can just uh, briefly touch on that. So, for example, if a patient has a viral illness, hopefully not COVID, but, you know, viral illness, a flu, mm. or they have... Um, they go for a procedure, they have an AFib ablation, and there's some perforation. So they damage the, uh, the pericardial cell. And what happens is um, the injured pericardial cell 
releases IO1-alpha. The IO1-alpha um, attaches or tracks the tissue macrophage, and it activates the so-called uh, inflammasome, the NLRP3 inflammasome, which simplistically pumps out or converts the um, IO1 a proactive um, I1 beta to active beta, and both the alpha and beta interleukins attach to the capillaries. They cause capillary leak, and they cause pericardial inflammation. So, uh, and then there's an auto-inflammatory type cycle. So, if you had a drug, um, so-called um, like Rolanosept or even Anakinra, uh, that blocks the I1 uh, alpha and beta cytokines. Perhaps um, this will be an um, important aspect of uh, helping patients with recurrent pericarditis. And that was the object of the trial, wasn't it, to, to test yes. this drug in patients? And, and I should mention Rolanosept is, um, is approved mm -hmm. uh, already for the uh, CAP syndrome. Um, and this is uh, in rheumatology literature, uh, which is a rare syndrome. Um, so it, it's a market under Arculist in the United States. Okay. Uh, so it is out there. So it's sort of repurposed or re-emphasized um, uh, for further trials. And this is a subcutaneous medication given once a week, right? Uh, yes. It's a sub-Q um, uh, dosage. It's a, usually a loading dose, 320 milligrams sub-Q. Uh, and then um, it's given weekly, 160 milligrams sub-Q uh, weekly. Fantastic. Now, maybe we can move on to the main Rhapsody study, if that's okay. Could you tell us a little bit about the study design? So you're talking about the pivotal trial? I think so. Yeah, I think it would be useful to go to that, um, as uh, it obviously created lots of stir in the in the medical world and, and seems to be a really interesting trial. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's cover that. Uh, let me just briefly mention the pilot, which is you know, published in Heart. Um, sure. So the, uh, the pilot was, uh, you know, as, as mentioned, it was a pilot. Uh, and um, it occurred in 25 patients. And basically what it showed that, um, that the Rolanosept, it was an open-label trial, um, and that the Rolanosept, as soon as you go on the Rolanosept injection, the, uh, the chest pain and the uh, CRP uh, normalize quickly. And as long as you're on the drug, um, there's no, no recurrences or very little recurrences with, with very little side effects. So that was the basis uh, for the uh, pivotal uh, trial that was uh, presented at the American Heart um, in November. Uh, and that trial was entitled um, Rhapsody, Rolanosept, and IL-1-alpha and beta trap resolves uh, pericarditis episodes and reduces risk of recurrence of patients with recurrent pericarditis. Um, this was a multi-center um, study, actually a global study. Mm -hmm. uh, four countries, U.S., um, Australia, Italy, and Israel. And as mentioned already, the, um, the hypothesis was that once weekly IL-1 uh, beta trap Rolanosep resolves active episodes and decreases uh, recurrence risk. Uh, basically, there were four parts to the trial. Uh, there was a screening period. Uh, there was a run-in period, uh, which the... Um, the patients, other drugs, the NSAID, colchicine, and steroids were weaned off, and patients were put on blind Rolanosept. And once they uh, met a pre-specified clinical response, 
on monotherapy Rolanosep, then they were randomized one to one to um, a double blind placebo control randomized withdrawal period. Uh, so basically, uh, um, blind Rolanosep versus placebo. And then there was an event driven um, trial. And once the number of events were reached, that was the end of the trial. And the, there is a long term extension period uh, that's uh, currently ongoing. The main inclusion criteria for who are these patients, they're you know, classic patients, patients uh, presenting uh, with the least their second pericarditis recurrence. And they have to have a certain pain score out of um, on a 11-point scale, 0 to 10. So they have to have more than an equal to 4 um, out of 10. And their CRP had to be more than um, equal to 1 milligram per deciliter. Uh, they were on a, a, you know, a combination NSAID-colchicine and steroids mainly um, idiopathic viral, but uh, post-pericardiotomy um, syndrome. Uh, the primary efficacy endpoint was um, time to pericardis recurrence. And the major, major secondary efficacy endpoints dealt with um, uh, clinical response, you know, minimal pain, quality of life. Um, so that was the sort of the general um, overview of the trial. And importantly, you, you make the point in the paper that these were not patients with cancer-associated pericardial disease, as you say, idiopathic, and a small number of patients with uh, post-cardiac intervention uh, recurrent pericarditis. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, there were uh, more females than males, mainly Caucasian. Um, the average age would be, uh, in the study, was 45 years. Okay. Um, and, you know, they had many episodes. In the study, there was... Um, a mean of um, 4.7 episodes before they got into the trial. Um, I should mention that they were half the patients were on steroids uh, and uh, 80% were on colchicine and 67 on NSAIDs. They all had pain and their CRP was elevated. They had, you know, a third had uh, fusions or um, uh, 50% had rubs. Um, Almost ninety uh, percent had ST elevation or pure depression on their um, on their uh, EKG. Okay, so they were a, a, a certainly a, a highly inflamed group by the sounds of it. Exactly, and um, in terms of um, the organization of the trial, we uh, basically you know we screened one hundred forty one. We enrolled uh, eighty six. Um, as I mentioned, there was a run in period. Seventy nine completed the run in. Randomized were 61, um, 31 in the placebo, and 30 in the rolanosept arm. And um, and there was uh, basically 74 in the long-term extension uh, period. As I mentioned, it was event-driven. So once the uh, number of events uh, calculation um, was done, uh, the trial was over. Um, in terms of, I can go over the um, what it showed. Basically, similar to the pilot, uh, but in a much more dramatic fashion. As soon as you went on the rolanosept in the run-in period, so basically this showed that there was rapid resolution of these acute pericarditis episodes. Both the the pain score, this NRS pain score, uh, dramatically uh, decreased, and the CRP dramatically decreased um, even after the first dose. Uh, the median time to pain response was roughly five days, and the median time to CRP normalization was seven days. And dramatically, all patients that were uh, stuck on the steroids uh, were successfully tapered, 
and transition to uh, monotherapy relonisib during this run-in phase. So that was the that was the run-in phase, but the important part of the trial was the uh, next part was the randomized withdrawal period. Um, so this is where uh, uh, with randomized placebo-controlled blinded versus placebo, and roughly um, 23 of the 25 um, events occurred in the placebo, and uh, dramatically only two recurred with rolonisept. So if you um, if you had an example of the Kaplan-Meier curve, it's quite dramatic that the the median time um, to recurrence in the placebo was 8.6 weeks, and in the rolonisept arm it couldn't be calculated because there are so few events. Uh, the hazard ratio was 0.04. Uh, the p-value was dramatic at less than uh, 0.0001, and there was a, um, a risk reduction of 96%. So a very, very dramatic um, uh, difference between the rolonisept and placebo arm. If you did the calculation of the uh, incidence of pericardial recurrence while on treatment, at entry, it was roughly 4.42 episodes per year, and um, at the end of the randomized withdrawal period for the relonisept, uh, it was only 0.15 episodes per year. So very, very dramatic result. Hugely impressive results. Yeah, please continue. Uh, and then also in terms of the uh, secondary endpoints, um, similar um, uh, dramatic results. Um, so we looked at um, at roughly week 16, um, for, for example, a proportion of patients who maintain clinical response the week 16, it was 81% Luanacept versus uh, 20% placebo. Uh, patients that had, uh, you know, self-reported um, symptoms, paraprogrammed symptoms at week 16, uh, 81% uh, had, you know, minimal or absent symptoms Luanacept, 25% placebo. And um, percent of days with no or minimal um, pericarditis pain in the first 16 weeks, uh, 98% Luanacept and 46% placebo. So emitted its uh, primary and secondary endpoints uh, quite dramatically. Um, in terms of um, side effects, um, uh, quite dramatically, there was, you know, um, very uh, little side effects. The main side effects were injection site reactions. So when you, as you, uh, we talked earlier that there was a sub-Q injection. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other uh, side effect um, to mention that there was upper respiratory tract infections, more, more common um, adverse events. And it was no different than, you know, the package insert for the Rolonisept label for the uh, for the uh, CAP syndrome. Okay, okay. Can I just ask you one quick question about the run-in phase um, that I wasn't, I wasn't sure about? What was the rationale for, for doing the staged withdrawal of therapies that the patient was already on? Is it, was that just because you originally planning, uh, you know, if this trial were successful, that this would be a monotherapy? Is that the idea? Uh, well, the, um, this, uh, the design was, um, has been used, first of all, it was used in the AirTrip trial for Anakinra. Mm-hmm. And it's often done in, um, you know, small patient population, like, you know, not orphan diseases, but uh, for a smaller population disease. So uh, the run-in was to prove that, uh, you know, for, to the FDA that the, the drug works, uh, uh, weaning off all the other medicines. I see. Okay. Um, so, that, so and then also sort of answered the question in a sort of like acute flare, um, 
can you survive with um, just a single rolanosept and not, not be on end-state culture scene and the uh, and prednisone? So that was uh, that was the first part. And then the second part with the uh, the randomized part was to see um, do you recur? Right. Of course, the placebo arm recurred, um, and uh, you know the rolanosept uh, arm um, rarely did. And what's the plan now, uh, Alan? Are you say so you have a, an extension to the trial ongoing? Yeah, so there uh, there's a long-term extension uh, up to 24 months where uh, people, uh, most of the patients, I think 74 are in the extension period, they're getting open-label rolanosept. Um, and there's a, uh, I should mention that there's a sub-study with MRI. Um, we didn't talk about MRI, uh, but MRI is part of that. So... Um, MRI um, you know, is a big interest of mine, uh, advanced imaging for, the, um, for these patients, because um, when you do an MRI in these type of patients, the active per- uh, pericarditis patients, mm. um, it sort of lights up, um, I know we just finished the house, it lights up like a Christmas tree, <laughs> that the, uh, the, um, the dye that they inject, the gadolinium, delay, um, causes a delayed enhancement, sort of... Um, because of capillary leak, it sort of permeates the the pericardium, uh, which is relatively avascular. So that you you grow new blood vessels, neovascularization. So if it lights up dramatically, you know, and there's a certain severity, you know, mild, moderate, severe, um, a quantitative approach to that. But if it's quite severe, we know that these are you know very um, significant cases, and it takes years um, to uh, to resolve. And the extension period uh, will help us decide as uh, uh, how long to give the rolanosept. Um, in other words, um, it's up to 24 months, the extension period, but if the uh, delay enhancement is still there, uh, you know, there may be an option to to continue longer. So as long as we don't know yet um, about how long to give the drug. So that's going to be... A, um, and the other aspect, there is a, a planned, a, um, a uh, large registry, of patients with, you know, recurrent pericarditis, often on anakin or rolanosept to see sort of the natural history down the road. But um, so there's still, uh, uh, we showed the re- early results, but now we want, we're waiting for long-term extension. It really is fascinating, isn't it? And I guess the, the MRI aspect speaks to what we were talking about at the beginning, that one of the problems with, you know, poorly treated acute pericarditis is if you don't slam the inflammation hard enough, you could imagine on if they have an MRI of somebody in acute pericarditis who's had poor treatment for a week or two, you could imagine grumbling, you know, late gadolinium enhancement is persisting. So it's a nice tool to be able to see whether you're really getting on top of things. Exactly. And it's also, uh, um, I should uh, mention also that in my experience, um, we see a lot of patients that, you know, uh, you know, we're a big referral center that come and they claim they have pericarditis. Um, and you do, you know, you do your, you know, I say good history and um, do the basics, but um, 20% of my experience uh, may be normal. Um, so then you're questioning, uh, you know, is this the right diagnosis? There is some memory to the MRI. So in other words, if you, if you did light up at one point, it's still, uh, you know, there's still some persistent um, gadolinium um, that, you know, um, should be there. And uh, if it's stone cold normal, so you're questioning the diagnosis. So, we're excluding a lot of patients that don't even have pericarditis. It's sort of labeled <laughs> incorrectly because, you know, uh, as I mentioned, the clinical criteria are not um, are not that, um, you know, uh, uh, perfect. You know, um, people make mistakes, you know, with the 
pleuritic pain that could be uh, you know nonspecific. The uh, the effusion you know, people can mix up epicardial fat. Uh, you know, rub is quite difficult to hear. Mm. And uh, EKG, just a physiologic J-point elevation can be seen in young people. So there's a lot of mistakes with the diagnosis. And the, uh, I find that the imaging uh, helps, uh, um, for, first of all, prognosticate how bad it is and perhaps uh, has negative, uh, excellent negative predictive value. Hey, yeah, that's fascinating. And I, I guess it shows the the benefits of a, of a tertiary center and somebody who sees these kind of patients multiple times a day. Um, but yeah, thank you so much indeed, uh, Alan, for your time today. It's been really fascinating to discuss both the pilot Rhapsody study and then the main trial itself. And I wish you good luck with, uh, with the extension study. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.